0: into to the Eyes on Iowa podcast. I'm your one of your co-hosts, Quinn Douglas, and joining me is our, your other co-host, a guy you'll be getting to know pretty well here over the next, well, however long we decide to do this. Good friend of mine that we I spent a lot of time with at the University of Iowa, got to know uh, playing each other in high school, uh, high school sports, uh, my good friend, Carter Coppinger. Carter, uh, thanks for joining me on this uh, venture, and well, we really don't know where it's going to go, but we're going to have a lot of fun doing it, no question.
1: Happy to be here.
0: So, Carter, I know there's a lot of people out there, you know, if you know me, I, I, you probably heard me talk about Carter. Carter is one of my one of my closest friends. And uh, Carter, for those who aren't aware about you, because there there are there are a lot of people out there aware about you, just like there's a lot of people that aren't aware about me. Uh, but uh, tell, tell the tell the good folks who may be listening a little bit more about yourself.
1: You're telling me everyone out there doesn't know about Quinn Douglas already? There's a lot
0: of people that don't know about me, and there's a lot of people out there I wish didn't know about me, but <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll leave it at that.
1: That's fair. Yeah, well, uh, like Quinn said, we've been friends for a while, but um, I'd say it started when we were in high school. I was from Van uh, Meter, so we battled out on the gridiron together. Oh, yeah,
0: Dogs and the Tigers.
1: Yep, and I don't necessarily remember how we first got into contact, but we started talking about the Hawks.
0: Yeah, we started talking about the Hawks because wasn't there like – uh there's probably some stupid app on the – it was some iPhone app game tournament. Was it an eight-ball tournament maybe on the, the little, the little oh, iPhone yeah. games? I think that's the... maybe how we first got in contact. We had had contact before because I think – We had crossed paths. We were both in choir in high school. I think we crossed paths a couple of times at all conference choir. uh, I believe junior year was at, uh, Oh, where was junior year at? Was that Panorama? Panorama. Panorama. And then you couldn't make it senior year, which was at matter because you guys were playing in the dome, you gravy eaters. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So I, I got stuck with your brother for the whole
1: day. (laughs) Yeah. You know, for some reason I, uh, I'd rather play in the dome than. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah! I knew you're gonna slip yeah, one of those there on not,
1: me. Beat us twice right.
0: to get to you in the dome. Oh well, well that, that's that's yeah, a conver- that's a conversation we'll save for a different day. To um, all of the
1: listeners, we both have voices of angels. Um, <laughs> yeah, that we do. That we do. Well, we would
0: have all. We would have both been four time All Conference if Ogden would have remembered they were hosting our sophomore yeah. year. But <laughs> that, that's besides the point.
1: But anyways, uh yeah, I went to VM and then I um attended undergrad at the University of Iowa. Um hence my passion for hawkeye sports. Mm-hmm. And then now I go to dental school here, also at the University of yep. Iowa. So I decided that since I couldn't win an Aaron Raleigh championship in undergrad, <laughs> I had to try to go four more years to uh get one now. So we'll we'll see. I got three more years left, still didn't get one this last year. But we're trying three
0: more, three more years. Uh, it reminds me of a great quote. Uh, I think I can't, I can't remember if it was from animal house or if it was from Van Wilder. One of those great movies. Yeah. A lot of people go to college for seven years. Those are doctors.
1: Oh, yep.
0: <laughs> They're called doctors.
1: Yep. That's Tommy boy. Actually.
0: Tommy boy, Tommy boy. Tommy boy. Oh, I'm. It's one of those movies. It's an SNL movie. I knew that. Oh God. That's, Line always cracks me up, but Carter actually is going to school to be a doctor of sorts, a dentist, which is, you know, it's still a doctor, Uh, but uh, yeah, he is uh, still at University of Iowa. I am, of course, if you follow me, uh, if you don't follow me, I'm living here in Webster City on the sports director at KQWC radio here in Webster City. Did my undergrad at Iowa, graduated with a degree in uh, uh, journalism and mass communication with a minor in sports and recreational management, and uh, I am from Madrid, like Carter said, uh, I'm from Madrid, played football for Madrid. Carter and I got to know each other from extracurriculars, football, choir, basketball, track and field, stuff of that nature, because uh, Madrid and me to do share the same conference in the West Central Activities Conference. So that's just kind of a quick background for me. I, I was a sports director for a year at UI Radio, which is the campus radio station for the University of Iowa, the title I hold uh, in very high regard, at least for me personally, because it was, even though I, I I was a sports director in the middle of a worldwide pandemic, it was still some of the most fun I've ever had broadcasting sports. I wouldn't trade the experience for anything because I learned a lot about having to manage people, not only just in, in normal circumstances during a worldwide pandemic where there's a lot of moving pieces that you cannot you you have no control over. So that is uh, kind of my quick. Uh, short, sweet, and short backstory. But we are here, you know. Our, our podcast—we're here to talk about sports first and foremost because we're both sports fanatics. We're we have our teams. I, I you know, obviously, uh, my I cheer for my alma mater, the Iowa Hawkeyes. Although I do have a lot of connections to Iowa State University. My mom and her five, her four siblings all are Iowa State graduates. I used to go to Iowa State games a lot in high school, and I have nothing resp- respect for the for the program. Matt Campbell has built at Iowa state and really, you know, going back to Paul Rhodes, I was a big Paul Rhodes fan. is at Iowa state. He's a, an upstanding guy and I am, and I have a lot of reasons why I'm a big fan of Paul Rhodes. And we'll get into that probably in, in later episodes. I don't know if we'll get into it today, uh, but obviously, you know, I'm, I'm a Cubs fan baseball wise, football, NFL, Las Vegas Raiders, NBA, Boston Celtics, and you Carter, you're more of a Minnesota sports guy if I remember correctly.
1: So I I'm like, I said, a Hawkeye fan, but then I, kind of all over the board after that i do i i guess two of my teams are from minnesota i like uh-huh. the twins and i like the timberwolves but then um i actually like the green bay packers yep. i'm not a vikings fan um so yeah i understand dad, all those
0: missed field goals
1: yeah yep, yeah, that's what it was <laughs> no my dad's fr- originally from wisconsin so yep. um i don't know i just kind of grew up a cheese head <laughs> Yep.
0: I, I kind of had a, a lot. I had a number of teams growing up. I couldn't really settle on one. I remember first I was a Seattle Seahawks fan because of Sean Alexander I and mean how much of a beast he was at the time We I really started watching football. Then when Sean Green got drafted by the New York Jets, I, I donned the the, the green and white for a little bit of the New York Jets. Uh and he was actually a pretty big contributor for the Jets for no, for a number of years before I finally settled on the Oakland Raiders, the then Oakland Raiders, now the Las Vegas Raiders. And uh, you know, it's been a uphill climb ever since that's a Raiders fan, but I should be used to that for me being a lifelong Chicago Cubs fan. I think I know a thing or two about uphill climbs with uh, my sports teams, no question about that. Uh but we are uh we are uh, here talking about uh We're here talking about uh, sports and college sports is more of our forte. So we're kind of going to have a lot of focus on college sports here in this opening episode of our podcast and Carter, we kind of had a a set template uh, for what we were going to talk about. And then all of a sudden the big 10 decided to go out and and drop a bombshell on us last night when it comes to their new TV deal. For those of you that haven't heard, it's going to be a very lucrative TV deal. Uh, There's no, uh, no set figure as of yet for how much the TV deal overall is going to be worth. But Carter it's going to be hard to think that anything that these, that the the revenue share for a lot of these schools is going to be anything less than probably 70 to $75 million.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I had seen the numbers at least from NBC saying that it would be 380 million a year. Mm -hmm. So I'd assume that this deal altogether is going to be, you know, 1 billion a year.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that would just be for the overall revenue, the, the overall yeah. the overall value of this we're not even talking about how much the, the the schools are going to get in terms of revenue share and also you have to throw into effect, you have to throw into the fact that there's going to be 16 teams in the Big Ten when this new uh, media contract comes with USC and UCLA joining the Big Ten from from the Pac 12 but it also you know the the NBC thing leads to an opening door especially I, I was intrigued with the NBC side of things because obviously for those who may not be aware. NBC has that long time contract with Notre Dame. NBC has been the home for Notre Dame football for decades and decades. Now I think we're going probably back on 30, 40 years, at least the NBC's has had the, the the rights to Notre Dame home football games. And, and Carter, to me, it, it speaks that Notre Dame with this move. I think a move to the big 10 is imminent for Notre Dame.
1: Yes. Yeah, I agree. I remember right when I saw this tweet last night, uh, the, tweet by Nicole Auerbach. I literally sent it right to you and I said if and if the NBC news is true Notre Dame the Big 10 is coming. Um mm. and I just think it's inevitable and for, even from just a fan of the Big 10 side I mean this is just great news as a fan. Uh seeing Iowa versus Notre Dame in Kinnick Stadium would be mm. like a dream come true as a fan. Um, and then not to even mention, you know, their bigger bigger rivalries with um, Michigan and then in-state even with Purdue. It, it really leads to making the Big Ten even more exciting.
0: And I think a big reason for that is Notre Dame is very much a cultural fit in the Big Ten Conference. I mean, we have never seen Iowa-Notre Dame play on the football field, but fans of a certain generation have. I mean, Iowa-Notre Dame had... Uh, I don't want to say it was a yearly series, but it was an almost yearly series that I believe ended in the late 60s. I believe the last year Iowa-Notre Dame played was either 1960. It was, I, I, I can't remember exactly. It was either 1963 or 1968 ended up being the last year Iowa-Notre Dame played. I think it was 1968. I know there was a lot of rumblings. It would have been about four years ago. Uh, Notre Dame was interested in playing Iowa in a neutral site game at Soldier Field. As a matter of fact, it went as far Gary Barta asked Jamie Pollard uh, if Iowa could have a one year out of the CyHawk contract to go play that game with Notre Dame at Soldier Field. Yeah, but, but of course, Iowa State said no to it, you know, which is another reason why I think the Big Ten needs to go back to eight. To eight. If we're going to ha- have a 16-team conference, let's just go back to eight. To, let's go back to eight conference games because if the SEC can get away with it and they think they're so high and mighty, well, why can't the Big Ten just think they're so high and mighty and go to eight conference games themselves? But As it relates to the Big Ten and the SEC, you know, as someone, Carter, you as well, as someone that that is a graduate of a Big Ten university, I look at this as, you know, the SEC, they can have the on-field success. That's fine. They have the national titles. They have the Heisman Trophy winners. That's all well and good. I'll take the money that we're going to get from these TV deals that our athletic department's going to get to not only help fund the athletic department in in ways they never have before, but even we may even be looking at expansion. You know, maybe in Iowa's case, maybe we're able to bring back one of those programs we had to cut due to COVID because of the the new revenue we're going to be bringing in with this new uh, with this new uh, this new contract, this new TV contract that's going to be one, two, maybe even three billion dollars in value.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, I agree 100%. I've always hoped that um, that Dwayne Banks Field, the baseball field at Iowa could be renovated. I know that that project just keeps getting pushed back mm-hmm. because of funding. Um, and I, this definitely is gonna be an avenue to push projects like that forward. And then you're right, even bring back other sports, like for example, men's swimming, which was cut um, as Iowa is, you know, the birthplace of the breaststroke mm-hmm. or excuse me, the butterfly stroke, butterfly stroke. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I, I think it's just a great deal for not only the university, but all the teams in the big 10, especially those that might not get as much revenue mm-hmm. from their sports programs Yeah, Um, just by, you know, ticket sales.
0: Yeah. Because I mean, there's really only th- two sports in, in all reality that do generate money. It's football, which is the main, I mean, football covers the expenses for, most of what the athlete for most of the other athletic teams in, in the department and men's basketball, most men's basketball programs do generate revenue. It's not a ton of revenue. It's probably, if it, if it's more than $10 million, that would be shocking. uh but it, it, It's, it's there. there, there is revenue that comes in, but then you have to look into a fact as well. There's a lot of sports that, that take up a lot of revenue that don't make revenue that actually lose revenue. I believe if you, the, the, the number one sport, if you were to combine the two sports together, Between track and field and cross country, they lose the most money revenue-wise. Women's basketball, I know, revenue-wise, does not make any money. Uh, I I know that's shocking with how much Iowa fills the stands at at Carver hawkeye Arena with this women's basketball team they have. They still don't make enough money to to even break even. And even Iowa wrestling, with how legendary Iowa wrestling is and how, how great the turnouts are, the overhang costs and and, and that and stuff of that nature. I will I will wrestling is not generate revenue. It does not break even at the banks. So football men's basketball is what you got, but adding in this TV deal that's going to be, you know, 75, 80 million for schools just on the TV deal alone. And we start throwing in stuff like March Madness and some of the some of the revenue you get from March Madness and it's civilly sponsored tournament events. I mean, that's I mean, some schools are going to be pushing, maybe all the schools are going to be pushing hundred million in, in TV revenue.
1: Yeah, well, and then just even switching gears on this um, media rights deal to just the time slots that mm-hmm. they kind of have pro- proposed. I mean, it's honestly pretty sweet that we could see Fox at noon, CBS mm-hmm. at three thirty, and then NBC at night. I mean, I've always hoped that Big Ten games could be on CBS. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I was always jealous of those. The
0: production episodes. of CBS games are impeccable.
1: Yes, yeah, I mean those SEC two thirty games that are sometimes on or oftentimes some of the best ones mm. you know in the college football season and now seeing that the Big 10 could fit into that slot is really exciting as a fan.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely because of the CBS production I I will probably say it's some of the best production work in really all the sports on television. I think CBS especially Fox uh Fox's big new uh, big new Saturday game uh with uh, you know Gus Johnson and Joel Klatt those are some excellently produced uh, football game telecast. And uh, Brad Nessler, Brad Nestler, and Gary Danielson on CBS do an excellent job as well. And I'm excited to see what NBC is able to do. Unfortunately, it won't be, uh, it won't be a Mike Tirico who's on the play-by-play for uh, NBC for college football because he's the new voice of Sunday night football with Al Michaels uh, going to uh, Amazon for their Thursday night games uh, going into this uh, 2022 season. But yeah, there's a lot to unpack with this TV rights deal they're talking about. It's going to be uh, probably within the next week is when we're going to – it's probably the earliest we're going to see a deal announced uh, from this TV deal. But, man, oh, man, how how, how sweet is it going to be for Big Ten schools to to uh, be able to uh, say, you know, we're we're by far and away the most profitable conference in college athletics right now.
1: Yeah, it's a good time to to be a team in the Big Ten. <laughs>
0: yeah, that, to, to, to put it vaguely, no question uh, about that. But that that does lead into our next conversation we wanted to have uh, the Iowa Hawkeye football team. I know you and I were really keen to get talking about this team this year. Iowa coming off that ten and four season last year, uh, an appearance in the Big Ten championship game. Although probably for most, it's a forgettable appearance. Excuse me, uh, but it's still one that uh, it's still an, it's still a Big Ten championship game appearance. It's still you know it's still a big deal for most programs uh, in this conference. Followed up a tough bowl loss to Kentucky, but there were a lot of positives. I took away from that bowl loss in Kentucky. Now we've gone through spring. and are going to a, a fall ball in Carter. There's there's a lot to be hopeful for for this Iowa team. There's a lot to expect that is better this year for Iowa, namely the offense uh, with uh, Spencer Petras back for his senior season. Uh, but just, you know, th- there's a lot to, lot to hope for. And there's a lot to expect at the same time for this Iowa team going into this 2022 season.
1: Yeah, you're right. There is. And when we return a defense that is, you know, ranked by multiple sports outlets, anywhere in the top five, um, I've seen some that are a little lower than that too, but with the defensive backs that we have returning with Riley Moss, um, then we also have then our linebacking core, which might be one of the top four in the nation. And then a D line that I do think is actually underrated. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, the defense alone is something that I think every team in the Big Ten is going to be scared of. And I think there's a lot of question marks on the offensive line and obviously QB play, but we did see a lot of positives from our running backs, um, the both the Williams, and no, they are not brothers. No. <laughs> so oh. they kind of run like they are. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, if we, if. If Iowa can fix the offense and from all the podcasts that I've been listen, listening to over the summer, um, I, especially the ones, uh, on Melrose, I've been listening to quite mm-hmm. a bit. So shout out to uh, Jack Forrester and Max Cooper. They do a good job of giving a lot of inside info from mm-hmm. the player's side of you. And from what it sounds like, the offense is going to be a lot different this fall. Um, bringing in that new analyst, um, I can't remember his name off the top. Uh, uh,
0: John Budimar. John yeah. Budimar. He's a yeah. Wisconsin guy.
1: Yes. Um, it sounds like they've simplified a lot of things on offense, but also um, really done that to try and improve it as a whole. And I think mm-hmm. I think we're going to see a much better Iowa team this fall.
0: Yeah, and, and to go back to, to what you said about the offense and the improvements they made, I've also been hearing the same thing. Uh, for, from, from from connections to the coaching staff that they feel really, the coaching staff feels very, very confident that uh, they are going to be, that the offense is really going to succeed with the changes and the simplifications they made to the offense. And, and I Iowa's offense, make no question about it, it, it's tougher on a lot of players because it's not the spread offense as you see everywhere where every play has a first check, a second check, a third check, a fourth check. You have a check if there's a blitz, you have – This ready to go, you know. You have you have this being fed to you from the sidelines. If this defense comes out, all of these spread offense has all have all of these little little checks installed. These installed routes. When I say installed routes, routes that if the first or second options there, you can just check it down and still get two or three yards. Iowa's offense isn't like that. It's truly. I can't believe I'm saying this because it's hard to believe that we can, we call this. It's a throwback throw style offense where you know you the quarterback has to make the read. You have a set of you have a set of reads, and have the, you know you have your first progression, you have your second progression, you have your third progression, and most of the time in Iowa's offense, it's designed to where you should not have to go to those third and fourth progressions. But every once in a while, you do end up going to those third and fourth progressions. I've heard. Uh, i've heard I've heard Brian Ferentz talk about uh, he did a great podcast with Chad Lytico from the Des Moines yep. Register that I highly encourage everybody to check out. It's two hours long. so if you've got a long road trip ahead of you, it's, it's a great listen uh, for for to to listen on on the way there or on the way back or however long this road trip is. But he talks about you know, there's a lot of fans in the stands that, that get that go nuts. You know they see a play, maybe the receiver on the back side of the play, the x receiver on the back side or the z receiver on the back side is running like a, a post and he's all alone, running a streak and he's all alone. And the quarterback doesn't see him. Well, the play is set up. The quarterback isn't supposed to see them because the defense is supposed to have it cover, and that's because the defense screwed up in their coverage. But the defense is just fortunate that that play is not angled to go to the guy that you know that's running all along. The quarterback isn't even looking over there because that's not what the play is designed to do. It's really just the receiver clearing out of there. If the quarterback does see it, you know if the play breaks down, great. But most of the time, you're not. You're you shouldn't be banking on the defense making mistakes in, in that regard.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I, I listened to that podcast too. And that's funny that you mentioned that exact play because I was actually thinking of one of the, that as like one of the parts I really remembered well. Uh Um, and it also, also that podcast just gave me a new respect for Brian Ferentz and how he sees the game and the offense. And I think that, you know, it can get easy, especially as a fan to be frustrated with, um, the performance of the offense over the last few years and Right, right, rightly so, um, but it also, in my mind, gives me hope that he can, you know, turn this ship around because he does – I mean, Brian Ference knows football. You can tell by – I mean,
0: he's I been around he's, some of the brightest football yeah. minds. I mean, Bill and, Belichick, Josh McDaniels. I mean, oh, my gosh, the guys he's been around, especially from his time in New England, and how much he's picked up since he started working here in Iowa too.
1: Yep, and I, I think it's just a matter of time before, you know, we find – find what works, and really take the next step in the offense. And and he talked about the goals, too, that they've set for this year. Like, for example, hitting 60 – completing 60% – over 60% of their passes is one of them. Um, because I know in the last few years, it's been lower than that um, almost every year. Yeah. Other than I, think, yep. I think Bethard was the last time, if I remember right.
0: Yeah, I think it was as a team. I th- yeah. think there was a- – want to say there was a year Stanley was over sixty percent, but as a team, they weren't over sixty yep. percent. I think, but yeah, as a team, the completion percentage has happened to been a been above sixty percent since CJ Beathard in twenty fifteen that uh, undefeated regular season.
1: Yep, and and he knows Brian knows what works as well, um, which I think you know, obviously another positive and. Yeah, I'm just excited to see you know if all the rumblings are true and mm-hmm. you know if this offense can be revamped.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think that's that's the number one thing uh, that 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 fans are hoping for, and definitely a name to watch out for. I, I've been told and you've been told this a while as well. Uh, Deontay Vines, watch yeah. out for that name. He is someone that has really had a good fall camp from what we've heard and uh, he is definitely someone to watch going forward in the future uh for Iowa this season really could be a big contributor this year uh with the uh, the receiver room being a little bit I uh, I don't I don't, don't want to say depleted is the right word but it has been picked up it's been it's been picked on a little bit with uh Charlie Jones and Tyron Tracy of course jumping uh, to uh divisional rival Purdue but that that that's a conversation we'll save for, for another day because there's a lot to unpack with, with with those sagas uh as well. Uh but but, but fast fast boarding turning the page here uh, to uh, uh, the team just down to Highway 30, down I-80, whatever it may be, uh, in the Iowa State Cyclones. And it's going to be a very, very different year in Ames from what they were looking at a year a year ago at this time. Uh, pretty much a, a brand spanking new team is going to be out on the field for Iowa State this year. A lot of graduation, a lot of turnover from last year's team that, that, that really fell under expectations, a team that started in the top ten in, in, in both – the coaches poll and the AP poll, uh, Iowa State finishes 7-6, and six, loses to Clemson in the Cheez-It Bowl. Just really not the season a lot of Cyclone fans were hoping for. But it's it's weird in a way, Carter, as us, us two growing up as, as Iowa fans and alums of Iowa, we can kind of relate to Iowa State in the sense that we've been in a position like that before. Uh, and the, my mind automatically goes back to 2010, how that team – you know, there were talk of there was talk of national championship with that 2010 team, but Iowa just ultimately fell short of expectations, and a lot of it had to do with, with the lack of depth uh, with the, with that Iowa team. They were really thin at some key spots, but for Iowa State, it just felt like it just never felt like things gelled together in, in the right sense they were find that magic they had in 2020.
1: Yeah, Quinn, and I I think part of it was that we never saw Brock Purdy take the next step, mm-hmm. um, and which which I think is kind of what was detrimental overall for the Cyclones last year. Um, I, and I, you know, looking forward to this year, I, I do think that they return quite a few good pieces still, um, mm-hmm. although there are also quite a few question marks. But I personally am interested to see Hunter Deckers at QB. Um, as some of the listeners might know, he actually started at QB at West Sioux um high school and yep. played against van meter in the dome and so i i watched him firsthand back then beat up on the dogs and uh I, I i do think that you know he could be an intriguing starter on the offense there and then also i mean returning xavier hutchinson he was great last year and mm-hmm. then trevor yeah. down at center i i think their line will be Probably better this year. And then, I mean, the defense, they do return Will McDonald, who is a first team, three season All American. So, he's
0: a first team All American a season ago. I don't yeah. know if he would have been a first round draft pick, but he definitely would have been early second day at the latest.
1: Yep. And, and so, I, I'm interested to see. I mean, their first game, it's Southeast Miz- Missouri, I want to say. Yeah,
0: that Southeast Missouri is a, a pretty average FCS program. I, I'd yeah. be surprised if Iowa State struggling on that but that first test that you know kinnick stadium for for a new starting quarterback i mean that's that could be a house of hell for a lot yeah. of a lot of new quarterbacks i mean we, we we've seen even some of the most veteran quarterbacks struggle in, in kinnick stadium guys like michael Penix for indiana he really struggled last year in kinnick stadium uh guys like brandon peters for illinois he really struggled in the second half of that game last year for Illinois, and even, you know, if you get a young, inexperienced guy in there, and when it comes to road experience, you know, we saw what happened last year with the Penn State game, Juan Roberson when he took over. Penn State's snap count was all kinds of, you know, it was in shambles because, A, the crowd had a huge factor in it, but B, there was a lot of disconnect between the offensive line and the quarterback when it came to the snap count in a really in a crowd of seventy thousand people when the decibel rating is at one hundred and twenty-five, which for reference that's fifteen off the the world record set at Arrowhead Stadium, uh, that that that's a recipe for disaster. And if Iowa fans bring it, they really bring it in that Iowa State game. It could be it could be, they could make life a living hell for Hunter Decker's at Kinnick Stadium. I, I have no questions about that.
1: Yeah, I mean, his response in that game is definitely going to be critical because mm-hmm. I think that the game will probably come down to whose offense plays better. Um, mm-hmm. They're both going to be pretty solid defenses. Obviously, Iowa's is a top-ranked one, but Iowa State typically has the best defense in the Big 12. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm sure that they will again this upcoming season. And then it's going to come down to you know whose offense is going to make more plays, although I guess last year that necessarily wasn't the case Hmm. with the Iowa defense causing so many turnovers. But I I definitely do think that would be a key to the game early on.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I agree 100% on that. It's an obviously defense, like you said. It's going to be at the top of the Big 12. It's going to be a lot younger this year, although there are some big pieces coming back. You mentioned Will McDonald back. Uh, Orion Vance back in the linebacker. That'll be a big, big uh, addition for the Cyclones who lose two great linebackers and Jake Hummel and, and Mike Rose and a lot of the secondaries back guys like TJ Tampa is back. uh miles Purchase is back Two guys that have, uh, got a lot of playing time. Bo Freeler talk about a guy that I think has probably the highest, highest upside out of anybody on the Iowa state roster. Bo Freeler is a guy he can flat out hit and he's a much better coverage safety than I think either Greg Eisworth or, uh, Greg Eisworth, or uh, 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 I apologize, uh, Ashim Young, uh, and those two guys could hit. They could absolutely hit. Uh, but I really do think that those are two guys that are uh, very much uh, have higher upside. Uh, th- 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 those are two guys I think uh, that both Freuler has higher upside than.
1: Yeah. Well, and I I think you know one other key that Iowa State does have going for them is they have a strong returning long snapper in uh, Connor. <laughs> Um, and so definitely you'll, you'll at least expect quality snaps this season on their place kicks and their, uh, punts.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Carter makes that comment. Our friend Connor, yes, he played at Van Meter. He was a defensive end for the Bulldogs. Uh, At the same time, uh, Carter was and I was playing. Uh, He is Iowa State's long snapper going into his fifth year. He's actually, I think he's been rated one of the top long snappers in the nation by a lot of outlets. So uh, that's always cool to see.
1: (laughs) Yep, it's awesome.
0: So as we get things, I, we're running out of time here on our, our Zoom call, so I'm trying to upgrade it, I'm trying to upgrade so we don't have to do a second session because, oh, my God, that would be a disaster. But uh, we'll, we'll kind of segue to we want to talk a lot about high school football and uh, Carter, I know I know we've talked about we talk about high school sports quite a bit still just we kind of keep our finger our pulse on high school sports in the state of Iowa, although I, I, I kind of keep closer attention because I have to for my job. Obviously, I cover uh, five high schools here for, for uh, KQWC in Webster City. Uh, but uh, it's definitely looking like it's going to be a year where there's going to be a lot of different pieces that may be making noise in high school football. And i want to start off right away with Class 4A, or Class 5A, excuse me, not 4A. Uh, I forgot we, we added 5A. But uh, last year, Southeast Polk wins the state title with guys like Xavier Nawapa. Caden uh, Proctor, uh, Jackson Daly a quarterback, Uh, but this year the Ankeny Hawks, man, they 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 have got a squad this year. J.J. Cole, Jamison Patton transfers from Des Moines Roosevelt, just a lot of guys that are are, are superbly talented. And there's guys I'm sure I'm probably missing uh, from from the same from the uh, Ankeny High team. But the, between them and Southeast Polk, there is all kinds of talent being grown in the, in the Des Moines metro right now.
1: Yeah, no, I I definitely think that Ankeny will be an impressive squad this year. Um, and it'll they'll just be fun to watch, too, because it's, I mean, two Iowa State commits with Patton and Cole, um, that, that'll be fun to watch as well, seeing them play in high school and then, you know, in the next level as well.
0: Absolutely. And, and you still have to watch out for the usual suspects. You know, Dowling is the usual suspect, Valley. Uh other schools, Cedar Falls, looks to have a tough team. And then a team that's really going to be a dark horse this year, in my eyes, Iowa City High. Mitch Moore has really, really brought it in year one, got the Little Hawks uh, to uh, – I believe they got into the Unidome last season. Now they're looking going to be looking at, at making a run for a state championship. And Carter – I mean, talking about City High, they've really been kind of dormant uh, for uh, – they, they've been dormant for probably a decade or so, it's really since uh, A.J. Derby uh, had been there. Uh, but, but now Mitch Moore – has really reinvigorated this cyber cyber city high program.
1: Yeah, and I know that I believe it's their first or second game of the season. They'll be playing in Kinnick Stadium as well. Yep. Uh, versus I versus Liberty. So yep, I think Liberty High. That'll be a really cool you know experience for them. But also then they have Ben Keeter, who I mean I believe David Eichold and Two Four Seven Sports just upgrade upgraded him to a four star mm-hmm. commit and it sounds like he is just a beast. So he, I mean, being both a wrestling and football commit for the university of Iowa, you don't see that every day. So obviously no. he has got quite some talent and I, I know he plays both ways on a four, on a five, a football squad, which is also pretty. Impressive. Yeah. which
0: which is absolutely unheard of. Uh, you just don't see that with, no. uh, you, you do not see that in the five at the five, a level. I got to play both ways and he might, you know, he might be a better wrestler than he is a football player.
1: Which is just insane. <laughs>
0: yeah, he's going to come to Iowa. He's played on wrestling and playing football at the University of Iowa, which is just nuts to think about where you're playing, you know, a top 25, perennial top 25 program at Iowa. You're you're a football player there. And you're wrestling for probably the most legendary wrestling program in this country, in the Iowa Hawkeyes. That's absolutely, I mean, you have to be an absolute freak to be able to pull that off.
1: Yeah yep (laughs) i also think that uh jackson smolik at dowling catholic will be an interesting prospect to watch this year just because he made it into the elite 11 and seemed to really turn some heads there now he has offers from virginia tech and lsu i saw has also been kind of talking to him so i'd Mm -hmm. say he's definitely someone to watch and just the dowling team as a whole i mean you kind of have to think that it's Dowling's championship to lose, unless otherwise, you know, stated.
0: Yeah, I would absolutely agree on that. Uh, but uh, I definitely think you know Dowling—they've got they've got the offense, which really Dowling the, their defense has really been what carries them, and they've really they've really uh, done it with a balanced offense. They might have a, a fantastic passing attack this year uh, in yeah. Class 5A, and now we'll, we'll get to we'll get to a class that means a little bit more to you, I suppose, Carter, this year, uh, Class 1A, where you're meter Bulldogs have absolutely dominated the, the, the opposition the last n- number of years, if it weren't for, you know, Cooper DeGene at at CIG, Terry, absolutely just setting the world on fire. Your Bulldogs might have three straight state titles, but man, oh man, uh, they, they have a lot to replace this year in class 1A. And there's a couple teams in class 1A that, especially in Eastern Iowa that really, that really stand out. Minneapolis is one I've heard a lot about this year. Minneapolis has really got a chance to do some damage this year. And of course, Iowa City, Virginia, you always have to keep the Regals name. Uh, in your, near your mouth when you're talking about state championship, state semifinals, and stuff of that nature.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I know Van Meter definitely loses a lot this year, but at this point, I like to use the, use the saying that Van Meter, we don't rebuild anymore, we just reload. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that'll be the case this year. They'll have mostly a fresh new O-line, so they'll have some work to do there. But um, skill position-wise, I think they'll – be just fine and then i mean you're right iowa city regina you always have to keep them in mind as well as west branch although i don't think they'll be as strong this year Mm -hmm. um and then yeah i i do think that you know van meter could be looking at another another run to the dome
0: yeah i mean you you take a look at, at western iowa and it's not, it's not supposed to be – I don't want this to be a knock on Western Iowa, but just a lot of the 1A programs in Western Iowa just aren't as strong as some of the programs you see in Eastern Iowa. I think that simply boils down to, to population base. You know, you have some really good programs like Underwood. ACGC has really done a good job of turning around the culture there. Cody Matheson has done an unbelievable job turning around the culture at ACGC. Uh, you have teams – Out west, you know, I mentioned Underwood. uh, That's really, you know, out in western Iowa, you you get up maybe a little bit further north, you look at – you know, the Lawton-Brodsons, even though they're, they're playing in Class A, they kind of go back and forth between 1A and A. You look up in Northwest Iowa, West Sioux, and really once you get up to Northwest Iowa, a lot of those schools are on the, near the, the, the 1A, 2A line with schools like West Lion, who were 1A at one point are now playing a lot in 2A. So Western Iowa is really kind of a, a, a tough area when it comes to, to Class 1A football, and that, I, I think that's a big reason why V-Meter has really, really been able to take advantage of the talent they've had over the past number of years.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'd agree. And I also did want to mention ACGC. I mean, um, they've just made absolute leaps and bounds over the last few years going from, like, you know, a few years ago kind of being the, I I don't want to say, you know, like the team that everybody walked over. But, I mean, they kind of were. Mm -hmm. And now ACGC has a program. They have a new weight room. And they got a lot of good things going there. And I I definitely think that, you know, that district – van meter will it'll come down to van meter versus acgc
0: yeah i I think that's really what we're expecting it's a district that at least two or three years ago that was a really tough district and now it's really settled itself out where acgc van meter in the top dogs in those districts and even you know the district in my area class 1a district 2 which includes south hamilton and eagle grove uh you know you have over granger and watch out you know as as a magic tiger it kills me to say this Watch out for Woodward Granger, Corey Serkovich, in year two. He's got he's got talent to work with. He's really got some really really promising prospects in Class One A District Two. And you all, you can never count out South Central Calhoun with Brian Case at the helm. He has built that program into one of the best consistent programs in small school football in the state of Iowa.
1: Yep, I agree.
0: So uh, Carter, I, we're, we're going to use this as a as a break. So hopefully, uh, I'm, I'm going to go run and, and get my credit card, so we can uh, make sure we can keep this going. When when we when we return, we will have uh, we will uh, try to get back on top because I want to make sure the Zoom call doesn't end. So we'll be right back here in just a second. You want if you want to just blabber on, Carter, be my guest. Sounds good. Okay, we are back. We had to create a new Zoom session because I didn't get my credit card out in time and pay for the pay for the uh, the subscription that we need for Zoom Pro. They get stupid. They have a 40 minute cutoff, but we were not going to not going to uh, go further than that. But uh Quinn Douglas back here Carter Coppinger. talking. we were talking about high school football. We left off talking about class 1A, uh class 1A football about uh, some of our thoughts on 1A this year, because, Car, I, I definitely think, at least when we were in high school, I think it's really stayed true. I, outside of Class 5A, I don't know if there's been a tougher class in the last 10 years in this state than Class 1A, because Class 1A, I mean, think of some of the talent that uh, played when just when we were in high school, uh, you know, let alone since we have graduated.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, Class 1A is always a battle, and there's always some really good teams in it, but I, I think the difference is that there's – like more, I, I want to say like a few more stronger teams compared to the other classes. Where, mm-hmm. for example, Class Three A and Four A, we see are almost more top heavy with uh you know the Pellas and and Cedar Rapids Xavier is mm-hmm. kind of running the show a lot of the time.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those the, the top of those classes are, are can be pretty top heavy, but yeah, you look at you know you look at teams like West Sioux. Yeah, uh, West Sioux, which might be the odds-on favorite to win class money this year. They've got a really good squad loaded up again over in Hayward and, uh, you know, Van Meter. I forgot to mention New Hartford and how good they have been as of recent. New Hartford's been outstanding. Iowa City, Regina, South Central Calhoun, West Branch. From what I've been told, Pella Christian should have a solid team. Denver is a good program. Obviously, we mentioned Underwood. And uh, the, kind of that 10th spot, you know, ECGC, Woodward Granger, uh, you could argue either of those deserve that number 10 spot. Waterloo Columbus has had a really good run as of late, and that's a program that was really down for a number of years before they really made a return. And, and don't ever count out Sigourney-Kyota. Chioda. Sigourney-Kyota's got a very, very good program. I thought last year they were going to take a big step back, uh, the Savage Cobras were, but they stepped up. They went undefeated in the regular season again. I don't know if they're going to recreate that this year, but uh, sigourney kyoto has got a very, very good program that is tough. And I mentioned Mediapolis. Mediapolis got a couple guys that have one, had D1 FCS talk uh, in their recruitment. Uh, so the the, the the Meepo Dogs could be really, really a, a team to look out for down in Southeast Iowa this year.
1: Yeah, and, I mean, well, going back to sigourney Kyoto, I mean, they just got a cool name, too, that- <laughs> I mean, Savage Cobras. Savage Cobras. I mean that's just that's just scary. Mm -hmm. Yeah that dates all the way back to uh
0: they can can kind of segue into our conversation here about class four right under five of course uh my, my, my town Webster City uh the Webster City links are coached by Bob Howard who really is the reason Sigourney Yoda was built into the power that they are today. He won three state titles as the head coach of the Savage Cobras uh, I- over in Eastern Iowa. Now he is going on season. Hard to believe season number sixteen at the helm here at Webster City. And uh, you know, w- and Carter, we've been around some some legendary head coaches in our time. Obviously, you played you played against uh, Randy Hinkle, my coach, who was at uh, who was at Madrid for, for for a long time. We both played against Dick Ty at, at Fort Dodge Saint Evans and how long he coached. Uh, and Bob Howard's one of those guys that belong to that conversation. He's going into his forty fifth year of coaching. and uh, look at the team he has this year, Carter. And, and this is a pretty big statement coming from a coach that has uh, that that has been around a long time. He believes this backfield he's got is the best backfield he's ever had in forty five wow. years of coaching. You know, guys like, uh, I can really speak more on the the Webster City side of things, uh, since obviously I covered the team. Jackson Cherry is a guy, uh, you know, a tailback, going to be a junior, C.J. Hisler, Ty McKinney, a quarterback, C.J. Hisler at that wingback spot, Uh, even guys that maybe you know, Connor Hanson has got, he's got moved to the fullback spot. It's not really a rushing spot, but can be a very effective receiver out of the backfield. Keegan Hissler, younger brother of CJ Hissler, has got a chance to be a very, very good pass catching tight end for the Lynx this year. He is a very, I mean, he is not very big, but he is very strong for his size. And, and Bob Howard feels very comfortable putting him at tight end. Uh, but Jackson Cherry is a guy I, I could gush about all day just because of, of the build he's got. He's, he's going into his junior year of high school. He stands at 6'2, 215. He ran for uh nearly a thousand yards a season ago had 19 touchdowns wrestled at 220 pounds was fourth in class two uh, class two way in wrestling at 220 pounds a weight that is normally pretty tough to wrestle at and oh by the way he is uh, an 11 3 100 meter dash runner and he is uh he's 11 100 meter dash runner and through the disc is 140 feet uh if that does not scream freak athlete to you i don't know what does quite frankly
1: yeah, well, and not not to mention that Webster City runs probably one of the cooler offenses to watch mm-hmm. in all of Iowa high school football. It's correct me if I'm wrong. The single wing, single wing,
0: and Bob and Bob Howard brought that from Sigourney Kyoto to Webster City, and Sigourney Kyoto still runs that offense. So I I had Sigourney Kyoto a couple of years ago when I was broadcasting for Peak and Packwood, and they ran that they ran that single wing offense to perfection, and it can be tough to follow. You know, as a fan and even as a broadcaster, every once in a while, you, you know, good ball faking will do that to you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it re- reminds me a lot of that uh, wishbone offense yeah. that you're all familiar with as well. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that wishbone offense. It's nice because uh, one of our area teams, South Hamilton, does run that offense. So uh, it's good. To, it's great to know I could step into the huddle still and run some of the plays that they're running. Yeah. It also It's also nice for the people listening at home because they have a broadcaster who has the football pretty much at all times because he's, he's seen every ball fake in that offense that could, that could possibly be. But Webster City, definitely a team in Class 4A that I think is good enough to make the Unidome based on my conversations with people around town, based on my conversations with Bob Howard, Definitely a team that could make some noise in Class 4A. And another. that they are going to take on a team in Week 3 in Class 4 that very well could be one of the top two or three teams of Class 4A in Waverly-Shell Rock. Obviously, they have a very big D1 recruit in Austin Newsome. Right now, he is deciding between Minnesota, Iowa, and Stanford, and they have become a very good, consistent program, especially over the last number of years, and they are definitely a team in Class 4A that could really do some damage this year. And Council Buffs Lewis Central is another team to watch in, in Class 4A. They were uh, the state champions a season ago in Class 4A, knocking off Cedar Rapids Xavier, and uh, definitely Class 4A. is going to be an interesting battle at the top. Uh, no doubt about that. And another team to watch for this year, I don't know how far they'll make it in, in the playoffs or how they'll do in the district. Fort Dodge is going to have some playmakers this year. They, they've got a great quarterback to receiver connection uh, with uh, – I forget their quarterback's name, but they have a receiver by the name of Javion Jondal. He's gotten some uh, walk-on offers from D1 programs. I know Iowa has shown interest in him as possibly a preferred walk-on. I know a lot of FCS programs have shown interest in him. He is somebody that is an explosive playmaker, as Webster City found out last year. I don't know if they're going to beat Webster City because I think District 1 and Class 4A runs, runs through Webster City, but they're, they're going to be an exciting team to watch. And they can, they have the kind of offense where if you go up against a team, you know, like a weaverly Shell Rock, they can throw the football around and score. They can make life real interesting for a lot of teams. So that is what I, I got on class, in Class 4A. Um, I'd love to get into Class A, with, with, with you know, talk about my, my hometown Madrid Tigers, but uh, I, there's just Class 4A is such a crap shoot, or Class A this year, such a crap shoot. I, I, there's really not much I know about Class A this year outside of the fact, you know, I know Madrid's district, Linville Sully is, is expected to be the top dog this year in, in Class A, you know, Grundy Center. Has a good program. West Hancock, uh, they're another program that's really reloaded year after year. I know we've had – I've had, to, at least in my youth, I had some experiences with West Hancock and Madrid going back and forth. But uh, there's really – really, it's kind of a crapshoot with Class A and Class 2A. You know, as of right now, I really like OAB, CIG, Class 2A. I don't know if you've had a chance to watch Carter or Cooper to Cooper Jeans brother Beckett. He's not – I don't think he's quite the runner Cooper is, but he might be a better passer. I mean, Beckett can sling it around the football field.
1: That, you know, Cooper DeGene, he uh, still is in Van Meter residence nightmares. <laughs> so, I, if if there's another DeGene, it means he's probably pretty pretty dang good. Yeah,
0: but fortunately for Van Meter, BCIG is in 2A now. They're no longer in uh, Class 1A, terrorizing uh, terrorizing your beloved Van Meter Bulldogs. And I'll never forget that state championship game that Van Meter lost to OEBCIG, which Van Meter played darn near flawlessly. It was almost a perfect execution of their game plan. It was a perfect game plan set up by your Trudeau and Rick Roberts. We're two of the best guys around, might, might I add as well. Uh, but uh, that, that bubble kickoff, you know, I, I saw you know, the OEBCIG scored and Van Meter fumbled that kickoff. And I sat there and I, and I texted, I, I texted you right after the scored that ridiculous touchdown. I mean, Seneca Wallace-esque touchdown. And I go now. You know how it feels because <laughs> Madrid has been on the losing end of so many of those games that I that I went to as a kid. It's just good to know someone else finally feels my pain after all these years. Oh man,
1: yeah, yeah, and well, I wasn't playing in that game, but it still definitely hurt to watch. Oh, absolutely. And I I just sure hope that Cooper DeGene can can really tear it up at the next level here for Iowa now. And maybe that'll make up for the pain that he caused, you know, a lot of van meter people now through two, two, three years ago.
0: I think, so. it, was two years. I think it was the COVID year, 2020. Yeah. 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 And there's been a lot of good buzz about Cooper to Gene and Iowa's camp. No question about that. they really like what he, he might be able to do uh, at that safety spot. Uh, but with that, my friend, I think we're going to wrap up episode one of the podcast. I, I've had a lot of fun and hopefully, you know, here in the near future, probably soon, maybe the next episode, we're going to try to get some guests on and uh, just kind of have some fun. we got a lot of people that want to talk to us and a lot of people we want to talk to that we feel like we can get a hold of. So uh, we're definitely excited about that aspect, but uh, my friend, good, great first episode and uh, yeah, we'll do this again. We'll probably I think we're going to look at a release date for Thursdays from now on. want to do a little something special for our first episode. And since you were available quicker than I thought you were since you were up in, northern minnesota and i gotta ask how was that
1: oh it was incredible fishing was good weather was perfect they don't have the humidity up there that yeah here so i mean it was you know 70s 80s Mm -hmm. all week a little bit little bit of rain which honestly we could use here in iowa but yeah you know it 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 was a good time and i'm excited to be back now and really get going on this 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 year so What was the how much? What was the most fish you caught? What what kind of fish was the most you caught? Oh, we caught we caught some walleye. And, oh yeah, uh, that, that's the majority Classic. of what we go for. And uh, I think one day we caught our limit. We got sixteen. So there was four of us, and we got wow. Each um, good day, yeah,
0: good day on the boat.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's always a good day if you're on a boat.
0: Oh yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. You still get, we, I still got to get on a boat sometime. Last time we did, we, last time we did, we weren't able to because DNR showed up.
1: Oh yeah. We I, were at
0: Sailorville. Oh boy.
1: Yeah. And that, I didn't have the, the license on the. Oh over. yeah. Yeah. DNR I'll showed up.
0: That. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, maybe we'll all go up to Clear Lake sometime, have some
1: fun. Cause you know, Lord knows we know enough people in Clear Lake.
0: <laughs> you, you went up there for the fourth. I'm like, I told you I wanted to go
1: <laughs> one day. We'll get Quinn to clear. Like,
0: I, I mean, I've been to clear like a couple times for work. I, I, I've stopped in. Uh, there was a restaurant I went to. It was rookie's. really good. Uh, was it rookies? I think it was Rookie. really good chicken sandwich I had there. Uh it was before uh actually it was before a basketball game I called up there between Clear Lake and Clary and Goldfield Dows. And definitely I'm like, Yeah, I definitely want to come back here sometime. And i and I need to get back to the to the surf ballroom. I saw a show there in high school. I need to see another one there because I mean it's a surf ballroom. It's where Buddy Holly played his last show before he died in the plane crash. I mean, that's music history right there.
1: Yeah. the surf, the surf's great. Yep.
0: Yeah. So uh we're gonna sign it up here for this first episode of the podcast. We hope you all enjoy. We'll have this podcast on spotify on uh at, or on apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts from I have it up on uh, youtube we're going to create a youtube page as well for that and we'll have the, the the video version uh for those of you that care to look at our ugly mugs for an hour we'll have that uh we'll have that version up on on, on uh, youtube and uh yeah we'll we'll hope to have this uh, have another episode out ready for you guys next week i know next week's going to be a little bit tough for me because i have to be the news guy so that means me getting up at five in the morning all week next week it is going to be uh you know, there might be a lot more naps being taken next week uh, while I fill in as the news guy. Good. Good thing is, I usually get off at about one o'clock on those days, so I can get home and get a good nap in before uh, I do anything else. But uh, that's going to do it for us. For my friend Carter Computer, Quinn Douglas, Eyes on Iowa podcast. Keep your eyes open to the state of Iowa. That's what we do here. Uh, so have a great rest of your weekend. We'll be back again next. Week.